Would you, uh, would you pray with me, and then I'll read from Isaiah 40. Jesus, we thank you that you are our anchor of hope. We thank you, God, that hope is not just something we're called to muster up within ourselves it's, or this feeling that we're supposed to find. You are our hope. God, we confess that we have, uh, we have clouded vision and we lose sight of you. We prayed this morning that your word would call us and that by your word uh, we might respond. Holy Spirit, please soften our hearts. Change us by the speaking of your word. Make us more and more into the image of the Son. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. This is uh, our reading for today. Uh, is from Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. Isaiah's prophecy here in in chapter 40 opens up this book of comfort within the book of Isaiah. Speaking to Israel uh, in the midst of uh, exile, in the midst of danger, in the midst of danger being present. And so when Isaiah has gone this length of time preaching judgment, preaching warning, then he is called then to turn and preach this word of comfort. Comfort Comfort my people. Comfort them and say these things. And here in chapter 40, it goes on and really centers that comfort on the nature of God and what He will do with and for His people. And we stopped at verse 11, but you can go on. Um, there's famous verse at the end about eagle's wings and these things, but the, this chapter is really all about the character of God What can you do except hope in the face of God? As you look at God, how else can you respond except with hope? This is the the comfort with which God comforts His people is Himself. The nature of His comfort is Himself. 
It's not, uh, not the things that He will give. It's not the present circumstances. It's not this sort of vague feeling uh, that He calls them to. It is Him. It's Himself. The comfort of God for His people is Him. And we heard the beginning of Mark's Gospel this morning that references back to this. That Israel should get ready because God basically is coming close. Somebody is sent ahead of the messenger of the Lord and tell them, prepare the way. Prepare the way for the Lord. Um, Bring down the mountains. Bring up the valleys. Get ready because God is going to march in. The comfort then is that God is coming. And this is the good news of God. We are in the season of Advent And we are stuck between the two Advents, the two comings of Christ. And so we are called into this bi-directional life where we look backward and forward at the same time. We talked about that last week. Last week we talked about how we read the prophets and we ask the question, are we really ready for God to come? Do we really want God to come? We talked about how the prophets speak of the coming of God and they speak of it as both this great and glorious thing, but also this dark and this terrible thing. Because God is coming and that's good news. But also God is coming and are we ready for that? Well here, this is very much the prophet saying, take heart and take comfort. Because God is coming. This is good news. This is good news for His people. So, I would suggest for us this morning that we are called first to look back and remember how God comforts His people. The initial comfort of God is not the way that Israel expects to be comforted. The initial comfort of God, the coming of God into the world, is not how, God, uh, how Israel expects God to comfort them. And this is the trouble that plagues Jesus' ministry throughout the Gospels, is Israel expects God to ride in with power. They expect God to ride in with power and unseat the reigning and ruling oppressing powers of the day. Rome is in the land when Jesus is on the scene. And just like Babylon is on the scene of Israel when Isaiah is prophesying, Rome is in the land when Jesus comes, Israel has an oppressor problem. And what they want is somebody with a superior military force or the ability to defeat a superior military force to come in and set them free. That's what their expectation is. And to be fair, it kind of seems like that's what God is setting them up to look for. If you look here in the chapter, it says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might and His arm rules for Him. His reward is with Him and His recompense is before Him. He's coming in with might, Isaiah says. So when Israel in the day of Jesus hears this proclamation that one has come, bearing the rule and reign of God, they are expecting at some point for Jesus to bear that strong right arm and wipe the table. To to approach the field of battle and swipe the powers of Rome off. 
And yet, how does Jesus enter in to the story? He comes as a baby. He comes not just like a baby, but a baby born in a feeding trough, surrounded by poverty, heralded by astrologers, and by shepherds. He's not at all what the people expect. They want Him to ride in with power, and Jesus' birth is not just, well, He got off to a rough start. Let's see how things go from there. This is how God intends to go. Jesus starts as He intends to go. He comes in humble circumstances, and He ends in humble circumstances, and in between, He hangs out with humble people. And so the people of Israel are just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting, like, you know, you going to do the thing? You're going to do the winning thing? Is it now? Is it now? And Jesus just keeps saying, no, no, I'm not doing that now. I'm not doing that now. They try to force it upon him. Please, put on the crown, pick up your sword, and let's do this thing. Let's kick some Roman booty. And Jesus refuses to do this. He does not pick up the sword. In fact, the surprising twist is that Jesus spreads out His hands and invites the sword to come upon Him. And really, there are seeds planted in the Law and the Prophets that are pointing towards what Jesus intends to do to comfort His people all along. The problem is that Israel has lost sight of its greatest enemy. Israel's greatest enemy has not been Assyria, or Babylon, or Persia, or Greece, or Rome, or any other foreign power that would come in and possess them and possess the land. Israel's greatest enemy has always been the enemy that that has locked them in a prison they could not escape. Lying deep within them in their heart is the enemy and the power of sin and death. And so when God comes to comfort His people, to ride in and bear the strength of His might, to swipe the board of any and all oppressive powers, He does it first and foremost with the most oppressive power that is arranged against His people. He does it against the power of sin and death. And so we look backwards and hear the comfort of God and recognize that God has freed us from what has imprisoned us. Listen to how the chapter starts. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. Her warfare is ended. Her iniquity is pardoned. The very beginning of the chapter is this key to what the victory of God will look like. It is the pardoning of iniquity. And in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that that is exactly what God accomplishes for His people. So take comfort. 
However, all is not yet right and well in the world. Because much of what the prophets also say is that when God comes, everything will be set to right. And this is in the video that, that we just watched, that there's this hope, this profound Christian hope that the extension of God's reign will be throughout all of the universe so that everything will be set right. And we have to look around and say, everything is not right. We're not even close to everything being all right. I mean, you can look at the most obvious examples. There's terrible disease and oppressive powers in the world. People are enslaved. People are killed. People cannot feed themselves. But we can look in far more comfortable circumstances and still see evidences of this oppression and this power that transcends even the power of Rome. In this season of of hope, what do we entangle ourselves in? Except the iniquity that wraps itself around us like this terrible vine, this barbed wire that we can't quite escape from. The season that's set apart for looking to the gift of God becomes tangled up and craving more and more disposable gifts that we will likely throw away in just a matter of time. Getting gifts is not a bad thing, but it's usually just the final stage of something deep and dark that's gone on in our hearts for a long time. Life is about me. Life is about my comfort. Life is about me fitting in or being better than everybody around me. If I only had X, Y, or Z, then the picture would be complete. It's not gift-giving that's wrong. It's everything that often leads up behind it. And so we can watch the news. We can read the news. We can look at all the madness in the world and say, man, I wish God would come and fix that. But we still yet need full deliverance inside of us. This rending inside of us. That we, the people of God, know that our hearts are supposed to be fulfilled in Jesus, and yet we still find ourselves sliding back in to these ugly, dark, consuming habits within us. God, won't you come and comfort your people and set us free from all this mess? You are meant to not just look backwards, it's you are meant to look forwards. That the day of God's great deliverance would come fully and finally. That all of creation from the inside out would be set free. That God would finish what He started. And the promise is that He came in humble circumstances, in veiled circumstances for His first advent, but when the second coming, He does not hide anything. The full power and royalty of Jesus on display. 
to crush every enemy that stands opposed to Him. And central to what God wants to do, both now and in the future, and what He has already done in the past, is this image in the final verse. He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. The image that God identifies with Himself again and again in the prophets is the image of this shepherd. You can see it again in Jeremiah 23 where God comes and speaks a word of condemnation to the shepherds of Israel. You can see it again in Ezekiel. God speaks to the shepherds of Israel who have betrayed His people and caused them to think that they can live acceptable Israelite lives if they just basically the equivalent of go to church every week and just be Israel. But they have failed to, to tend and guard their hearts. They have wandered off. And God says what He wants to do is He wants to find His people. He wants to swoop them up in His arms. Hear this, this word here that my translation translates as, as gathering to his bosom and means carrying them close to his heart. He wants to scoop them up and clutch them to his chest and take care of them as no one else has done. So when the prophets speak of this and then Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I am the good shepherd. He is announcing that God is coming to do this thing that He said He's wanted to do all along in the prophets. He's finally here to scoop up His people and to bring them close to Him. Now the question is, are you being shepherded by God the Good Shepherd? What I, what I don't mean is, are you going to church enough <clears throat> Because coming to church once a week for, for whatever, let's say you're here a total of two hours. Two hours in a week is nothing. You probably exceed that amount of time given to other things within a day. You have six other days where you don't go to church. You are doing other things, good things, work, school, family, neighbor things. But in those intervening hours, what shepherds your heart? What do you give yourself over to? And how do those things shape you in a way that actually puts you back in the arms of the powers that wish to oppress and enslave you? You know, do you spend all of your time fixated on stuff? Do you spend your time seeking the approval of others? Do you spend your time worrying about the crazy, terrible things that are going on in the world? Do you spend your time obsessing over how you might have more control in your life? When you give yourself over to those things again and again and again, you give your heart over to the influences of other shepherds 
And they want to do other things with you. They want to make you a more anxious person. They want to make you a more selfish person. They want to make you a more self-obsessed person. The truth is, you and I are probably not in danger of Rome writing in and putting us under Rome's power. That's probably not going to happen. However, we are in danger of living comfortable lives devoted to other shepherds, even with good intentions, we give ourselves over to them and they lead us away to other kinds of empty slavery. Who shepherds your heart? Who do you look to for comfort? Because God offers Himself as comfort to Israel. What comforts you? Is it the approval of other people? Is it money in your bank account? Is it likes on social media? What is the thing that gives you comfort in your life? Whatever you could name in there, and I can list plenty in my own life, those are things that God is coming to uproot and throw out of your life. Those are things that may comfort you now. Those are things that you may count as good things or unavoidable things in your life. But those are things that God is coming and riding in with power and unbearing His strong right arm to flex and show His strength and coming to bring the sword on. It's not that He's going to ride into our life right now and kick out Rome with the power of the sword. It's whatever is holding you and I captive, He's coming in to strangle and kill. Comfort, comfort my people. And tell them that I'm coming. We look back to the first coming of Jesus and we say, God surely comes for His people. We look forward to the day when we might be delivered. And we say, God, come deliver Your people. There is a position that you and I are called to take up in this chapter in Isaiah 40. Here in verse 9, it says, Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. This is the personified city of Jerusalem who is called to stand up and be witness, to stand up and proclaim the deliverance of God. You and I are called to live lives that speak of God's deliverance and then to testify to that deliverance in a world that is hungry for real, substantial hope. You and I are called to be heralds of the good news of God's coming. And people will look at you and they will say the same kinds of things that they, they looked at Jesus and said, is this it? Kind of expected more. Could there be lights? Could there be fanfare of some sort? What do you mean 
that this is the good news of God's coming. And all you can point to is things like, I don't know what to tell you, but when Jesus is more in control of my life, I'm a less anxious person than I normally am. And nothing else that I could do to to manage that worked for me. But when Jesus is comforting me, I'm actually comforted. Or I normally would spend this extra $15 on me this month. But Jesus comes in and for some reason, I just felt like I needed to buy this other person a meal. These are small and humble signs of the coming of the kingdom of God. And from now until the day when Jesus rides in in power and glory, these are the advancing signs of the kingdom. Small and humble ways where God is subverting the powers that oppress and control us. When you are letting God shepherd and deal with your heart and free you from these things that have their grips on you, these are not small and insignificant things that God is doing. This is not the moment where the people of God stop and say, man, I really wish there would be like lights or trumpets or something. These small and faithful things are evidences that the birth of Jesus was not a meaningless thing in history, but it was the first. It was the beachhead. It was signs that the invasion has come and is coming. What are you being comforted by? What occupies the focus of your heart? What to you is good news? Any answer to those kinds of questions that is outside of the name of Jesus means there is danger yet in your life. But the good news is that Jesus comes. If you are here this morning and you're saying, I don't know what to do with that, that seems really hard to let all of these little things be crushed by somebody else. The good news is, you don't have to be good enough and strong enough to make that happen. It is Jesus who is the good news. Your hope does not have to be all about you feeling hopeful enough. The good news is Jesus. And if you're here today, and you're, you have spent your life trying to find comfort from any number of things, security, relationships, power, money, whatever it is, you will be or are or have been frustrated by the ability of those things to bring you real comfort. The good news is Jesus. Jesus is the comfort that you have been longing for, you've been hungering for, And He is not far off from you. He is close. He is at hand. Take comfort in Jesus and Jesus alone. This is the plan. It's Jesus riding in and freeing you from your deepest, darkest foe and bringing you into the light of God.
as He carries you close to His heart. What are you comforted by this Advent season? Take comfort in the comfort of God. Would you pray with me?